stick to football. We are going to get you caught up on everything that happened over the weekend. We were in Austin, Texas, so we didn't get a chance to talk about the AB signing after it happened. We didn't get to talk to you about the Texas LSU game, which is good because I was in a terrible mood. But, Connor, (laughs) we get to go really around the league and around uh, the colleges, basically, to get everyone caught up from a draft standpoint, from a college football standpoint, from an NFL standpoint. Uh, Just a reminder, you can watch the show on YouTube. If you want to listen to us, we love for you to do that. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your shows. But... If you miss these faces, Bleacher Report's YouTube channel, you can watch the show uh, two to three times a week, depending on when we're on the road, basically. Yeah, and one more update. We always listen to your guys' feedback, whether it's iTunes reviews, Twitter, Instagram, DMs, and we have heard your complaints about our ad blocks being longer recently, and we've actually been able to reduce those. So those will be much shorter going forward. If those have bothered you, we totally understand. It takes a while to get segment from segment when we have two to three ads, so those will be tighter and more condensed so stick with us here that's really exciting we had a great weekend in austin obviously touring the facility seeing the game hanging out with the awesome listeners but of course there always has to be a caveat for all great weekends antonio brown signs with the new england patriots and this is something we talked about on the tailgate show the potential of it uh we felt like it's something that had a chance of happening we were just wondering if the money would come on the table matt where do we even start with this yeah, I, I think we start number one. I had a lot of folks say like, hey, guys, you didn't talk about A.B. And it's like, this is the the great thing about a podcast and then the awful thing about a podcast. Once you record it, it's kind of in it's the done. Book. Like you got you, It's over. We'll talk about it next show. Uh, I'm not surprised. I, I was even telling you guys while we were just sitting around. I thought there were three possibilities. New England, the Washington Redskins, or he would just retire and never play football again. Yeah. You know, he would just say what for whatever reason. But that's also like we didn't have the full picture. The full picture, in my, and I'm going to go full conspiracy theory, I firmly believe that A.B. got to Oakland, realized that was not where he wanted to be, and executed and orchestrated his way out of Oakland. Whether that's, you know, skipping camp, the feet thing, the helmet thing, going at, going at Mike Mayock, releasing pictures and audio of conversations and of finds. I believe that he got what he ultimately wanted. Let's not forget, when the Steelers said they were going to trade A.B., The team that had the most interest was the New England Patriots. And the Steelers said, no, we are not going to let you go to our rival. We are not going to let you go to the best team in the world who just won a Super Bowl. It ain't happening. Well, guess what it did? This reminds me so much of when Brett Favre wanted to be a Minnesota Viking and the Packers were like, no. He's like, okay, well, I'll go be a Jet. Just release me. Just release my rights. I've retired. Release my rights. I'll go be a New York Jet. He does that for like, what, a year? And then guess where he ends up? The Minnesota Vikings. This is is what AB did. Just perfectly schemed. This is Game of Thrones shit, man. He schemed his way out of Oakland, and now he's a Patriot. There is no worse scenario for the rest of the NFL than Antonio Brown being a member of the New England Patriots, where, by the way, he will be a Boy Scout, guaranteed. I remember when Favre was traded to the Jets, uh, Green Bay was so nervous about him going to Minnesota. They put a clause in the deal that the Jets could not move him to Minnesota. And when you look at this, players that are great players always find a way to get what they want. And A.B., I mean, like you said, Matt, whether it was the feet, whether it was the altercations, the social media antics and videos, there was always something. And eventually he got exactly what he wanted. You saw the celebration as he's looking at his phone, reading that he's been released It's just unbelievable. I do agree with you that I think everything will be fine in New England. Now, I will say 
he is someone that has been, uh, you know, he cares a lot about his targets more than anyone. Now, maybe that won't be the case in New England, because when you go to New England, there's a lot of mouths to feed. And Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, all those running backs, they're pretty content no matter the outcome, as long as they win games. A.B. is going to have to, you know, really transform to that mindset. And the jury is still out on that. But I just don't understand how anyone stops this offense. Philip Dorsett was running wide open, right? And now he's the fourth receiver and like the seventh target on the team. And wait till Rob Gronkowski comes back for the stretch run. I'm just joking. I actually don't think he will. Although, who? I mean, who knows? I just I look at this and I look at secondaries across the NFL. The great ones have two guys that can cover at a high level. The great ones. And usually a third guy that's an above average starter. The average teams have usually one guy that can cover, maybe two. I I just don't understand. And the Patriots offensive line, I think, through all the injuries, looks phenomenal. It's just wild that we've gotten to this point, Matt. I think the only defense that can match up with the Patriots offense is the Patriots. Like no, no disrespect for the Eagles. You just have to score with them and control the clock. Right. The Chiefs are going to have to score with them and control the clock as much as you can, and hopefully you get the ball last. Exactly, yeah. Which we just saw this on Monday Night Football. We did. I'll say this, man. I don't know anyone who can compete with the Patriots on paper right now. If they stay healthy. And we did see Marcus Cannon get banged up um, in in week one, so that will be interesting to watch. But I don't know anyone who can. And there's a reason. This signing happened, and Vegas shot the Patriots to the top of the odds, favorite to win another championship. So it's not even like, oh, if this works out. And I saw Bill Belichick was asked Tuesday morning by reporters, uh, how do do you think Antonio Brown will basically acclimate to the system? And he was like, you guys asked me the same thing about Randy Moss. How'd that work? Yeah, Bill is so confident. I'm sure he already, I'm sure they had a conversation Saturday where he was like, we want you here. We know you want to be here. Here's how we're doing things. If you don't like it, don't waste our time. So there's no one. And and I say this, I picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Uh, and I did that before the AB signing happened. I would love to be able to change my pick, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, they're, they're just so good. And like you said, Connor, this is a Patriots team that they were built to win a Super Bowl without AB. Josh Gordon looks freaking amazing. He was unstoppable. And I don't, I don't like to take away too much from week one. The Steelers looked like trash. No one could stop Josh Gordon. No yeah. one could stop. You even said Philip Dorsett. We didn't even really see Edelman do that much no, because all the to. other dudes are making plays. Yeah, I think the Steelers secondary, much like a lot of teams, is in trouble. I mean, we saw the Steelers, the Browns, and the Jets. It just looks like they really can't cover anyone right now. And I think there are somewhat of expectations for at least all three teams, for at least two of those teams. When it comes down to it, it's fascinating. I picked the Saints to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, I'm not just going to move off of that, but... It's very hard to expect nothing less than a Super Bowl for New England right now. But everything is about injuries. And Josh Gordon, this gives them insurance, Matt, because Josh Gordon has been Mr. The ultimate player you cannot rely on. And hopefully now you can, but you'd be foolish to think that. Now, if you lose him, you sit there and you go, okay, we got Edelman and AB. We'll survive. Dorsett, who played really well the other night, will survive. Another team that has made a lot of key additions uh, recently and just a brutal, brutal ending. But what a game is the Houston Texans. And I think it's worth having this conversation right now because he almost gets lost in the shuffle. Thanks to how well Pat Mahomes has played from that draft class. We got to start having a conversation about Deshaun Watson being a top 10 quarterback in this league. I think he is all summer. All summer. I, I talked to Deshaun Watson, how this is my guy. And yes, we all love Pat. 
Deshaun Watson should have never been lost in the conversation never. behind guys like Baker Mayfield. Like, how the fuck are you going to sit here today and say Baker, who in four straight possessions lost the game for the Browns, is a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson, who he won the game for them last night. It's not his fault that the defense absolutely oh. crapped to the bed. It, it's not on him. The guy won the game. And the defense lost it for them. I think Deshaun is. I, I, I've, I truly believe that in a couple of years, we're going to talk about Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and hopefully Carson Wentz, if he can remain healthy, as the best quarterbacks in football. Yeah, I would he, think he's just so I would think special. So too. I would think so, too. And, and you got to give even, and I do think the offense helps, which that's fine. It helped. Same with Jared Goff. It's helped him before. I think Dak Prescott in Dallas, as long as Kellen Moore is there, is going yeah, pu- to put up phenomenal numbers. So it's nice to see this new era of quarterbacks uh, not look like good players, look like superstar level players. Absolutely you superstar know, level players. And it just makes the league better when things are like that. One thing that surprised me, and I, I didn't put this on our rundown, of all the first-year head coaches, um, Matt LaFleur, they won. He had a really good debut. Zach Taylor, the Bengals offense looked really good. Kellen Moore's offense in Dallas looked really good. A lot of the young offensive minds that we were waiting to see ah, how's this going to look this year they they did really really well the Bengals almost beat the Seahawks Andy Dalton had a career day the most yards he's ever thrown for I think it was like 418 yards so these young offensive yeah. minds got up to a hot start and even after a lifeless first half Cliff and Kyler really turned it on in the second half and overtime so in the fourth quarter once things got spread out you could just see that change yeah completely change so it's it's a lot of fun this new era. Now it's week one. There's a lot of teams that some teams just come out flat. We've seen we've been lied to from week ones, but I think it was an optimistic start. We can't forget about the NFL draft as we get caught up covering college football in the NFL season. One thing Connor and I are going to try to do regularly on the Wednesday show is take you through some of the things we're seeing from our time on the road, from the games we're scouting. We're going to call it draft radar, buddy. I got to start with our guy Chase Young. You can defense for Heisman, this guy. Hashtag it. Just Let's just yes. talk about him. About the, he's the best defensive player in college football. He might be the best player in college football. Chase Young, I know he's Mello's number one player. He's my number two player. Have you have you ranked him yet? What what have you seen from this dude? He's just a, he's a monster. It's not real. I haven't seen a better defender in the country right now. And I thought over summer, Grant Delpit could be that top defender. But in terms of just playmaking ability and, and pro traits, I have not seen a better player than Chase Young. It's just been a, it's been simple. Yeah, he as already that. has three sacks on the season, eight tackles, and he's doing it with. You would expect uh, they played Indiana, or excuse me, they play Indiana this coming week. They haven't played anyone great. That Cincinnati team, they just ran right over them. Chase Young is doing it not with just with speed though. It's not like he's playing mid majors and just running around them. He's doing it with hand usage. Melo and I were breaking this game down. He's like stabbing guys with an inside arm and then looping, dropping his shoulder. He's beating guys with agility, with hand usage. Chase Young looks unstoppable. If the team that has the number one pick does not need a quarterback and doesn't trade, Chase Young should be the pick. Like it's for me, it's really that simple. And I've had a lot of people say, like, what about Kayla Von Chase on? What about AJ Epinesa? I love those guys. Not I yet. love those guys, but they are not Chase Young. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm with you. I think you look at he keeps off, uh, offensive linemen's hands off of him so well, and it allows him to do so many different things, whether it's get after the quarterback or read and react to run, even see him drop back and read screens. So the level that Chase Young is playing at so far through just these short weeks here has been amazing. I'm going to go on the offensive side of the ball and highlight somebody that is not getting enough love. Lynn Bowden 
from Kentucky. And this, Matt, this player reminds me of the scene in Friday Night Lights where Booby Miles' uncle is watching right. him practice and talking about him play. And he's like, he could fill the Gatorade cooler, walk the dog, paint your back porch. Oh, and he can pass. Bowden this week completed a 32-yard pass, had a 60-plus yard kick return called back as of a penalty, had a long punt return, had two really good rush attempts, and caught like seven passes for 50-plus yards and a touchdown. Kentucky just put the ball in this man's hands. He is one of the best special teams players in the country. He's the most reliable receiver on the team, and he's handling so many different roles right now for this Kentucky team. And I I loved him talking all that shit on the field before the game. They had a great clip of him. This player is exciting, and he's one of those players that he might get lost in the shuffle because he's playing at Kentucky. He's not catching passes from you know Heisman guys like Tua or Herbert. But at the end of the day, he has NFL traits, and he's one of the more exciting playmaking threats. Yeah, and he country. might have to do even more because their quarterback, Terry Wilson, has an injury and is out for yeah, the years. Might be throwing yeah, the ball more. Lenny <laughs> might be throwing the ball. He is exciting, man. A junior, 6'1", 200 pounds. I, I'm very excited to see him as we get into more of an SEC schedule. But Kentucky's 2-0, and and he is a huge part of that reason. I, I said A.J. Epinesa just a moment ago that everyone's asking about him. I want to highlight my man again because even though he's not Chase Young, I still have A.J. Epinesa as a top-five player in this class. We saw it again against Rutgers. He got his first sack of the season. Uh, he's just so dynamic. He's so strong. Excellent, excellent size. 6'6", he's up to 280 pounds. It's it's really impressive what he's able to do at that size. You know, I get like a, a Cameron Hayward type vibe from him sometimes, but then he flashes more athleticism than that even. So I think there's just a ton of potential with Epinesa. This is his first true year as a starter. And as Iowa, another team that's really off to a great start, they're 2-0, they're leading the Big Ten West. I think Epinesa is I mean, obviously going to be an all-conference type guy. He's going to make a case for an all-American type season. It just might be he and Chase Young at the end of the day. Those might be your all-American bookends. Yeah, the way he drives tackles backwards and that leaping sack he had, uh, he's really a do-it-all player, still a young player. Like we always said last year in more of a not a part time role, but definitely not that lock of a starter. He had a phenomenal season uh, in the stat sheet on the film. Speaking of someone else, this is another player that might get lost in the shuffle because of Jerry Judy. But the guy across from him, Henry Ruggs, there's been the talk. Oh, baby. Oh, baby is right. There's been the talk <laughs> that he's a sub four, three player. I mean, you hear those rumors from spring, summer, you know, you raise your eyes a little bit and you go, OK, maybe. But that might be school times. We've talked to schools how they do it, whether they run on the turf, whether it's laser time, all of that. Uh, I think Ruggs' speed is real. When you look at that little screen pass that Tua threw to him and him shoot up the field against New Mexico State, didn't even look like he was in you know full throttle mode yet, and he was blowing by everyone. Ruggs has an, a, a rare athletic profile, and I think we're going to see more of that on display as teams key on Judy more. I can remember hearing about Ruggs, excuse me, when he was in high school because he broke the, like, Alabama has 7A, which we don't have in Missouri. I think, I actually think 5A is our biggest, but he broke the 7A in Alabama, the 100 meter dash. He ran a 10 8 in high school. So if you're not like a track guy, if you're running sub 11, like, that's really, really yeah. good. 10 8 is freaking amazing. I know that it, at what I guess they call it junior pro day, he ran a 4 2 electronic timed. 
Now, that is coming from guys at Alabama. They could fudge that a little bit. But I've talked to scouts who believe it. Like, they think that he's 4-2-5. They think that he's John Ross fast, basically. So, yeah, it's easy to get caught up watching Tua and Najee Harris and, and Jerry Judy and all the talent they have there. Henry Ruggs would be the number one receiver at any school, not yeah. Alabama and Clemson. Yeah. Like, he's that amazing. Last guy I want to highlight, and this hurts. Does this sting? So much. But I'm also like, I'm so happy for the player, but I'm just so hurt by it. Joe Burrow absolutely carved the University of Texas. He made guys like Caden Stearns look invisible. He made Jalen Green look like he should be playing for North Texas or Texas State. And Jalen Green's a player that, like, I even have said, this dude has all the traits. He is young. He's a sophomore. He's making a second start. Joe Burrow went right at him. Joe Burrow should be in the Heisman conversation. We're going to have to completely revisit Joe Burrow as a draft prospect. His last three games, going back to the UCF bowl game, are perfect. He has thrown one interception this year to nine touchdowns, 749 yards in two games. One against the school that's wearing DBU (laughs) t-shirts. It is amazing that he, Joe Burrow, was the bright spot of that game Saturday night. You know my love for Sam Ellinger. You know my love for B.J. Foster, who unfortunately got hurt. Joe Burrow has McConaughey saying fuck in a schmedium and a cowboy hat on the sideline. We This dude is a top five Heisman candidate, and I am so excited to continue to evaluate him as a draft prospect. If you could do what he did against Texas with that dumbest fuck three-man rush that I'm still <laughs> upset about, but if you can do that, you're on the radar. He has to be. I mean, we're looking at a player that coming into the season, we probably thought would be, you know, a day three quarterback prospect that'll have a senior bowl opportunity and looked like a, you know, a backup kind of guy. Wipe that off the table. He's gotten so much better this year. The third and longs were ridiculous. Even when the pocket got really muddy, he kept his eyes downfield and, and the feel in the pocket That's what looked so good. He had the feel of how much time he had and always found somebody breaking free for a long gain. And he just has the attitude that you always trust him in the big spot already. So there's some swagger. There's a little bit of swagger there. And he was waving goodbye to the crowd. Joe Burrow is fun. I think this team believes in him. And I think this team believes in this offense. That's what's really exciting, too. It's a totally different look of LSU, but a really fun start for the Tigers. The last one on our list here, Anthony McFarland Jr. from a Maryland offense that simply cannot be slowed down right now. I mean, he didn't even really need to play much in their first game, but this one against a very good Syracuse team where they stomped them 63-20. to 20. Sorry, Matt. I hate to bring it up again. But three touchdowns. Yeah, I lost some money on Three that touchdowns, one. one receiving, two rushing, over 70 yards rushing. I just think McFarland is one of those under-the-radar backs because he's a smaller guy. He's about 5'9". He's under 200 pounds. Very elusive, very shifty. He can catch the ball. He can really he has a great burst on the outside run. So when you look at this Maryland offense with all of this production, if you're looking for one of the key draft guys, it, it really starts with McFarland out there. Yeah, I, I put $100 on that game thinking Syracuse would at least cover. I thought they would, Even too. Even if they lost, I thought they would cover. But Josh Jackson at quarterback, he has been great for them. It's a... He's the kind of guy Virginia Tech could really use a quarterback right now. It's it's unfortunate that he's not there anymore. But uh, Jackson and McFarland are basically unstoppable for that Maryland offense right now. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll rip through week one of the NFL season, giving you our takeaways from the biggest storylines. All right, Connor, let's go through week one, man. And there was a lot of action. Some of it I had to go back and get caught up on because we were flying home from Austin, Texas on on. Sunday morning, my goodness, that's what day it was. 
Uh, number one thing is I need the Monday Night Football doubleheader. Or if you want to make it Sunday Night Football doubleheader, I'm okay with that. Give me two games one of those nights, and let's just forget Thursday Night Football. I'm with you all the way. Uh, the product, product of Thursday Night Football, how much the teams hate it. I, I understand for revenue purposes why they do it, but it's not even close. I mean, it's it's not even close. And it, obviously on the East Coast, it's a little tough to stay up for those doubleheaders that kick off that late, but it's worth it. The games are great. Uh, there's just early in the week. I just like all the games together in that, you know, whatever it is, 36-hour window of football. It's just way better, and I think it would be better for injury reports. We got, Matt, we had, I mean, just two great games on Monday night. After a Sunday night stinker, two great games. I enjoyed Sunday night football. I don't know about anyone else. I, I, this, I will gladly say by the fourth quarter, I was done. Oh, I did done. not watch the fourth quarter. No. There was no reason. After halftime. That's why I asked Mello, did you watch it? He's like, yeah, I watched the first half. Yeah, that's what you yeah. needed to watch. Um, we, we did have two very good Monday night games. You know what actually surprised me most? And I almost tweeted this, and I was like, oh, no, I'll save it for the show. If you did not break your collarbone or clavicle this weekend, you congratulations. Well. Yeah. Because <laughs> most people did. Tyreek Hill dislocated. Nick Foles broke his. Devin Funches broke his. This I've never seen so many collarbone injuries in one week of an NFL season, I think there were more collarbone injuries than there were knee injuries. It's yeah, just, is that, it felt that way. You know what? You, here's why I think it is. Everyone's hitting high these days. Or, or like, you don't want to hit guys in the knee anymore. You can't hit guys in the head, obviously. I feel like everyone's just hitting in the chest. They're, dri- they're driving players right in that area. That has to be it. Because if you go anywhere in the torso... It's going to be pretty much clean unless you go full Hopkins suplex, which should not be a penalty, by the way. It should not be a penalty. (laughs) I agree. It's ridiculous. I'm I'm fine with this. It's a wrap tackle. I don't care if it's it's violent. Look at the sport. You're not hitting him in the crown of the helmet. You're not cutting him low. It's I mean, usually when guys land from a suplex like, yeah, it's going to hurt. I just don't think it should be a penalty. But that's another conversation. Definitely some big injuries. We'll start with Tyreek first. Uh, do you think this opens the door a little bit for Mikol? It does. You know what surprised me that was when uh, Tyreek went out in the first quarter of this game. He, it he really, really became, do a, much. Sammy, it became yeah. a Sammy Watkins show. It, we it didn't did. really see Travis Kelsey get that involved. We didn't see Mikol get involved at all. It was just, and some of it might have been because Pat rolled his ankle as well. So I felt like they were very conservative. They had a big lead. They were able to just, uh, let's just run the ball and control the clock. But. I think it does open the door for Meikle, especially on more of those like gadget type touches, or I shouldn't even say gadget, the designed touches for Tyreek. I think we'll see some of those go to Meikle now as, you know, as they try to soften up this, uh, the, the defenses that they play. But Sammy Watkins being healthy and, and playing like he did is a great sign for the Chiefs. It's a terrible sign for the rest of the AFC because hey, for him to go off like that, if they have Sammy Watkins catching nine balls for almost 200 yards and three touchdowns, that's terrifying for the rest of the league. So I think with Tyreek out, yes, they're going to feel it. And he's one we don't know when he's going to return. With Nick Foles, he's on IR. And we've seen already our guy Gardner Minshew with that beautiful mustache of his come in and play very, very well. He completed 13 straight passes to start the game. That's the most ever for a quarterback in a debut game. So Gardner Minshew comes in and plays very well against a bad Chiefs defense, let's be honest, and a game that was already won for Kansas City. But uh, I was really encouraged by Gardner. They they did trade for Josh Jobs. A fifth-round pick is going to go to Pittsburgh for that. But I like that Jacksonville is going to roll with Gardner 
and see what he can do. He, he's a guy like we loved the person in the draft process. You know, it's just such a great story. Like no one wanted him. He was going to be a GA at Alabama. Then Mike Leach calls. He goes to Washington State, has an amazing year. He had a really good senior bowl week and now gets picked up by Jacksonville. And he's starting in the NFL week two after a really strong week one. So I, I look at the AFC. We we saw a little bit of a reset because, you know, Foles is out. Jacksonville looks really, really bad. Tyreek's hurt. What's that going to do to Kansas City? The Patriots are now adding Antonio Brown. And then in Indy, like that was such a good game between Indy and the Chargers. But now Nick Devin Funches, excuse me, is out with a broken clavicle as well. So, so many injuries have just had a ripple effect through the AFC right now. Yeah, and through all that, the Titans absolutely steamrolled the Browns, which no one saw coming on Cleveland's own field. So it's going to be interesting for Gar- uh, Gardner Minshew here, you know, dealing with Houston next week and then that Tennessee team on Thursday night. It's not going to be easy for him. I think specifically with Houston, you have to worry about you constantly have to keep up with an electric offense that's healthy. I mean, Watson is healthy. Will Fuller's healthy. Hopkins is probably the best receiver in football. Uh, you know, when you look and Duke Johnson looked really good. So that's going to be a tough matchup. We're going to learn a lot about Gardner very, very early here. But it's exciting. It, it really is exciting. It's good to see him come in, have some success. And uh, obviously, Funchess, you know, it was good to see T.Y. Hilton not really take a step back. That team could have came out demoralized after the Andrew Luck retirement. And I really didn't get that vibe at all from them. Yeah, I didn't either. I, I really thought, you know, Jacoby Brissett played well in that game. You mentioned this briefly. The biggest disappointment for me was the AFC North. I expected so much. I expected at least the Steelers to be competitive. I thought the Browns were going to beat the Titans and they got beat down by the Titans. I thought they'd cover the five point line. I said this earlier in the show. There was there was a time in that game where it was actually pretty close. And then Baker throws in the span of four possessions. He throws three interceptions and had a turnover on downs. Some of that's going to go on the offensive line, but some of it's on him. Like he just was making poor decisions. He was holding on the ball too long in the pocket and not even like, so you could say, Oh, like the offense struggled, the offensive line, whatever. This was a team that was supposed to have a good defense. Yeah. And they got just beat to shit by Marcus Mariota and the Tennessee Titans and Derrick Henry who I will still oh, die man. on this hill is not as good as the player we saw on Sunday. So I agree. It's crazy to me. This isn't the hitting the panic button on the Browns yet, but I think this show had two concerns with Cleveland going into the year. And those were number one, the offensive line. Number two is Freddie kitchens, a head coach in the NFL. When you have 18 penalties, that's discipline. It's discipline. Yep. Now you're going into, uh, you know, Monday night football, It's now a must win for the Jets and Browns. The Jets absolutely blow a 16-0 lead with a quarter and a half against the Bills at home. Just awful. The Browns don't look alive in the second half against Tennessee. You have a Monday night football matchup where uh, both of those teams are going to be going in with a must-win mindset right now. And both of those head coaches are already sweating. And we'll be there. So it'll be a we lot will of fun be there. So come because... to lot E11. <laughs> um, if you want to see the show, we'll be kicking off around six o'clock. It, it's going to be an awesome party. Uh, thanks to lot E11. Those guys, the Winters Bros, put on a crazy tailgate. The big Jets bus. I mean, you really can't miss it. So if you're going to be at the game, get there early. Come hang out with us. We always have stuff we're giving away. The show's always fun. It's really just going to be one big party in the MetLife Stadium parking lot. And I have a surprise for everyone who will be there. Yes, he does. I can confirm he has a surprise. It's good. It's going to be legendary. <laughs> so we talked about this AFC North disappointment, which the Bengals were better than I expected. I want to be I want to be loud and clear about that. Yeah. As were the Ravens. The Ravens 
uh, my Baltimore Ravens. Um, yeah. Miami is should be ashamed of themselves this year. I was reading, and I didn't get to watch all of that game as it was happening because it was the 1 o'clock slate. There's a million things going on. That that first drive where Baltimore just ran it down their throat and Mark Ingram looked like he was 20 years old again, the Dolphins never got out of their nickel defense. Right, You could tank I, all I've you want with personnel. That's on the coach right there. I mean, what are yeah. they doing? It, it is phenomenal. And I... I want to give Lamar Jackson so much credit. Yes. It is hard to go 17 of 20 and five TDs in high school. Like it's hard. So to do it against NFL talent, regardless of the, the, the philosophy and strategy of the coaches in the front office, that's hard to do. I want to give Lamar Jackson so much credit. And I hope, I hope at the end of the year, we're sitting here and I'm saying, guys, I was really wrong about him. He developed so much better as a passer. And I think we even saw some of that on Sunday. The dolphins are embarrassed. Like you said, embarrassingly bad. It is just, it's ugly. There's no fight. Like, I didn't see anyone from the Dolphins where I was like, oh man, because this is one of the games I went back and watched yesterday. I didn't see anyone where it was like, damn, that dude's really playing hard. The offensive line, there's no effort. The run game, no effort. Like, it was just, there was nothing Not there, man. Even, Not even defensively. Tackling. No, like there was no effort. They just completely rolled over and gave up. I don't know. I don't know Brian Flores. But I know so many people were very excited about the combination of Flores and Chris Greer that, that they were going to turn this team around. God, I am. Are they just going to burn it to the foundation and rebuild it? I guess. You, but you just simply can't do that. I I understand tanking, and I, if the Dolphins end up with Tua out of all of this, it, it's a step in the right direction. But that's the team he's walking into. No, I don't think Tom Brady could save that in his prime. I, Hollywood Brown played eight snaps, Matt. He had four catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Right. Eight snaps. It's amazing. It's like a scrimmage. It's just, and I was talking with somebody about this, and uh, Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio, it came out with the report that right around the same time I was having this conversation with somebody that worked in the league for a long time and was saying, you know, that players are calling their agents, requesting trades. And at the same time I was having this conversation, it basically was that you can't do this, this level of tanking. You could tank in the NFL like quietly. I think we've seen a couple teams do it in recent years. This level of tanking, veterans will quit. They will fake injuries. Yes. They will not lay their body on the line on the field. And if you're Kenny Stills, you got to be laughing as you catch that touchdown last night. Talk about a change of fortune. But I think this level of tanking is, is dangerous, honestly, is very dangerous. It's just, I, I don't know. I re- it reminds me of Cleveland, where it was like, oh, yeah, the ownership was on board. Sashi Brown's going to just trade away everyone who's an asset. They're going to accumulate draft picks. They're going to draft well, and they're going to you know have this very analytical approach to team building. And no, because ownership got embarrassed. Players got tired of losing. And that's the thing. like You can't go to Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills and be like, dudes, listen. We want Tua, so we're going to lose every game we can this year because we want Tua. Oh. They're going to be like, well, no. I have to bust my ass every day and be prepared and train and just so you guys can lose every game. Like you said, you're going to lose your veterans so fast. So it's, it's kind of like it's a black mark or a black eye a little bit for the NFL that the Dolphins are this bad. But again, it's week one. Like you said, we've all been lied to by week one. I don't want to overreact to anything, uh, but we it is smart to at least acknowledge it. One last note. I'm so happy for our guy, Josh Jacobs, who had a brilliant game, really, 
on Monday Night Football in a, a surprise win. Everything that Oakland's been dealing with, they come out and get a win over the Denver Broncos. Maybe that says a lot about Denver. Maybe it says more about John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders than we expected. But I was really, really encouraged by the night. He had 23 carries, two touchdowns, uh, had one catch for 28 yards as well. A big catch, yep. Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacobs looks like the real deal for this offense. He does, and it's exciting to see Oakland has made all these investments on the offensive line. I thought the offensive line played great against pass rushers like Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. Josh Jacobs was able to get in the end zone and looked you know, as advertised. Derek Carr had time. Uh, Darren Waller had a solid game. I, I think when you look at, you know, is this who Oakland is? I don't know yet because I think Denver is going to struggle this year. I just think they won't really go a lot of places with Joe Flacco. But at the end of the day, this is a step in the right direction for John Gruden's Raiders after all of the bullshit, all of that bullshit yeah. you go through uh, with Antonio Brown, where it, you almost forgot this team has to play football games. To come out and, and get a win on your home field like that. And the young guys are excited. Cleveland Farrell, Jonathan Abram, obviously Jacobs. He's a quiet guy, but he's a huge part of that win. If you're an Oakland fan, it's probably been a miserable, miserable couple of weeks here. It's good that you have something to smile about. They absolutely have. Some some young guys to smile about. I think we'll see those those three first round draft picks really emerge and throw Trayvon Mullen in there as well. Uh, very happy to see a friend of the show, Gary Conley. Uh, he, he texted me this morning. He's okay. After getting carted off with that neck injury. So that was, this one of good. those, you like, hold your breath. You're like, Oh God, please. No. So really, really good to see him happy. Let's take a break, buddy. When we come back, get through some draft on draft questions. It is draft on draft time to close out the show. And I want to say thank you again to our friends from Pluckers in Austin who hooked us up. We had such a great time there. It was an amazing setup on the patio watching college football. And we had some fun with LSU fans, as you probably saw on my Instagram. We had fun with all the Texas fans there. It was a great time. I'm excited, though, uh, for Monday night in East Rutherford, lot E11. Uh, plans are being finalized right now for the Madison-Wisconsin tailgate on September 21st. I know a lot of you guys have asked. Some things have kind of changed uh good things have changed leading up to the game so we've had to to be a little flexible about where we'll be but i hope to have that information wrapped up uh, today and we'll be tweeting it out and talking about it on the friday morning show all right first question connor from charlie maliska who signs lincoln riley first dallas or houston i mean it, i think dallas has a coach yeah <laughs> like, like, i would for so long would have sent the cowboys but kellen moore might save jason garrett's life Honestly, that's what I think. I really think there's a chance. I know it's one game, but I think I mean, all the there's been hype about Kellen Moore for a year. And when you go out and start like that, I don't know. I think it's Jason Garrett has been Teflon. And if this this team looks better than any team he's had. So the thing with Houston is I don't think Lincoln Riley will go there. I really don't. I mean, it depends who they hire at GM, but it's going to be hard to get Lincoln out of Oklahoma. Right, like it is. So that's what I've I've heard that a lot is that you know yeah he's competitive but he loves college football and he's good he, at it. <laughs> he's gonna have three straight Eisman Trophy winners at quarterback. Why would you leave that? Um, and, and I think Lincoln is smart enough to not just go to the NFL to go to the NFL. Uh, yes, like, he is. He's young enough to be patient. Um, I don't I don't know if. You know, if the Freddie Kitchens experiment doesn't work, I think that Cleveland would probably intrigue him because Baker's there. But I don't think that he's the kind of guy that's going to be like, I want to go coach the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah. because I want a job in the, the NFL. Bruce Arians I golf like, that. <laughs> I make He makes like $6 million a year in Lincoln. Yeah, like He's fine. Or in, in Norman, excuse me. He's fine. 
Um, well, I think Cleveland is the sneaky one. If Freddie doesn't work and 18 oh. penalties uh, in week one is evidence that it might not work. That would be electric. Lincoln. Electric. Can, Could you imagine and Jarvis again? and Odell? I mean, Baker hires, hired the first head coach. He hired Hedy, Hedy Kitchens. <laughs> Hedy, Hedy <laughs> Coach Kitchens. Um, man, when you look at it, what if Belichick retires and Lincoln goes to New England? Well, Josh McDaniels gets that job the second Bill retires. That's a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, did you see Drob Mayo? That was Dude awesome. looks like he could still play. That was awesome. It was like they just took him out of the pads and put a headset on him right away. Yeah. It was hilarious. Or Bill's son. Yeah. Like, oh, oof, rough haircut. <laughs> rough haircut. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's Miles with a lot of S's. Where do you have Jalen Hurts ranked right now? And where do you see him getting drafted at if he has a successful season under Lincoln this year? Also, what do you need to see from him to get his ceiling as a quarterback to get drafted? I uh, I mean, I watched week one because we were on the road. I did not watch their week two game. Hell, I don't even know if they played week two. Honestly, I'm, I'm in such a fog trying to get caught up on <laughs> NFL right now. Um, I like Jalen Hurts a lot. We've talked about this a little bit. Here's what I'll say. I don't want to hedge on this. I just want to be upfront and honest with everyone. I think right now, he is still a limited quarterback yeah. in many ways that is being aided a lot by his system. That's not to say he's only a system quarterback. I still see a lot of roughness in his throwing motion. There's a lot of a delay there. They played South Dakota, yeah. so they did. Yeah, the I Coyotes. The played. <laughs> right. Um, I think I would safely say right now he is a day three prospect. Now, here's where I will give you a little bit of perspective. Two years ago, oh, yeah. this time of year, Everyone and their brother said Baker Mayfield was a day three prospect. I, Connor, I remember being with you in December with some scouts, and they thought Baker was a day three prospect yeah. in December. And we were excited about him sneaking into round two back then. Yes, yes, we were because I we uh, people go back and listen. We loved Baker, and people were like, no, 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 day three, oh. day three. You know, I was like so, that year. I was like, Jets getting a pass rusher with a top ten pick and Baker Mayfield in right. round two, Russell Wilson route. We're golden. That yeah proved nope, to be false. He went number one. And a year ago, everyone thought Kyler Murray was going to go play baseball. He wasn't. We weren't even scouting his college games because we've been told by people at Oklahoma and people in the NFL, hey, don't waste your time. He's going to play baseball. So a lot can change. Uh, They play UCLA this weekend. They're going to kill them. The one problem with Oklahoma's schedule is they don't play a good defense until the college football playoffs, basically, because you saw what Texas did against LSU. One good. So, I mean, Jalen looks amazing. You'd have to keep it in context. You know, they've played South Dakota and Houston, two teams not really known for the defense. But I want to see him make quicker decisions. I think that's one thing where uh, I've seen him play a little slow in the pocket. And and then mechanically, I think he just needs to clean some things up. He's made a big jump. He always already just looks more natural as a thrower. But he's he doesn't have the arm that Baker or no. Kyler had. Um, I, he might be a better athlete. The Baker, I don't, I don't know that he's a better athlete than, than Kyler. He's just bigger. Yeah, it's going to be interesting with him. If uh, if we you know get credentialed for uh, Red River, which it depends on how long our event goes. That's how it always is for us. Uh, it'll be it'll make it a lot easier to see him in person, see him play against a good team. If not, I think he'll be for us at least. We'll be a little skeptical until we see him down at the Senior Bowl. But the steps are great. I, I mean, you asked me this question this time last year. 
and I would have said he's going to have to move positions if he wants to play at the next level. I don't think that anymore when you see Alabama thought that. Yeah, Alabama, uh, they had yeah. talked to him about moving to running yeah, back. Yeah, they wanted him to stay. They wanted him to play running back. I mean, he's got a great mindset where he, he probably could play any position you really asked him to. But I think he wants to be a quarterback, and I think he went to the right place to get better at quarterback, which he's done. So this is really yeah. just the beginning for Jalen Hurts. And when you see players like even obviously Taysom Hill is always the go-to example. I'm kind of tired of that one. But Trace McSorley had a nice summer uh, in that Baltimore offense. You know, Jalen is easily going to get an opportunity when you see someone like McSorley getting those opportunities. So a really good start for him. And let's see where it goes. He's got to get the ball out faster. I'm like sitting here watching some clips. Like he's just, it's third and 22 against South Dakota, and I counted as seven. Yeah, well, like, against South so Dakota, cool. you don't have to. Tua does that too. It's like a wall around him. Yes, he him. does. Yep. Uh, underscore Jacob Bentley, eight. Last question. If Brissett doesn't work out at quarterback, who's the best fit for the Colts' offense, or do you sign a vet and try to go after Trevor? Ooh. I, I mean,. I think that that offense, Frank Reich, is a good enough coach that anyone would be a fit. I think Tua would fit. I think Justin Herbert would fit. Jake Fromm definitely very naturally fits. Trevor hadn't been great, guys. Like <laughs> Two games in, old T-Rev is not looking like the world beater that we uh, maybe hoped that he would become. Um, he might be talking about Justin Fields that year, too. Right. So, yeah. I know. it's. I mean, these are young guys. They, those two... Could be all world when all is said yep. and done. I'm excited about both of them. I think if if you think it would take a lot for Brissett to be moved on from after yes, this year, would. I think the route would be Brissett this year, Brissett next year, and then 2021. That's the most logical plan for me with the Yeah, I, I think it is as well. I mean, you signed the guy to an extension. You've given him extra time to try yeah. to see what he can be. Um, they believe in him. They love his leadership. They really like his skill set. And I'll say this about the Colts. Like Marlon Mack had a great day on Sunday, which if you listen to this show, um, you you knew how much we loved him and, and thought that he was going to be a breakout guy this year. They don't have great skill position players. Like T.Y. Hilton's okay. Uh, their number two receiver, Devin yeah. Funches, was not great and is now hurt. Their tight ends are just kind of like afterthought guys who I know Eric Ebron had a good year last year, but there's not a lot to write home about. So uh, I think with Brissett, it, we could see more of a focus on let's actually load up assets around him. Because they need more guys. They need playmakers to help him out. So I, I think that's where we see them go, if anything. Yeah, they'll right. need Paris Campbell really need to, you know, start developing. Yes. I think it was a really quiet summer and a quiet start for him. And that doesn't surprise me, but that's a guy that you'll have to keep an eye on because he can really make or break uh the vertical game of that offense. Yeah, and hopefully Deion Kane eventually becomes something. Yeah. I, I I know they really liked him um, as a prospect coming out of Clemson. So, yeah, they, they've got some guys to watch as, as far as development goes. All right, man, that is our show. We will be back Friday morning getting you uh, previewed and ready for college football and NFL weekend. And a reminder, Monday night, Connor and I will be at Monday yeah, Night Football Browns let's go. at Jets, the battle of the 0-1s. I don't think anyone saw that. It's going to be a violent crowd. <laughs> really, I'm really surprised by that. When when we put that game on the schedule, I was like, oh man, like I can see both teams one and zero at this point. Uh, Same. Funny how things work when you don't have a kicker for months or an offensive line. Or I might be kicking for the Jets Monday night. That might be our surprise. So, <laughs> Jody, give I'll me be a the call. holder. I'll kick, man. I got to be get Carly Lloyd out there. Somebody, somebody's got to be better than what they've got out if there. If Woody, if Woody was here, that would have happened. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, I don't know. Is the women's national team? They're kind of at odds with Woody's boss, so maybe not fair. So very eh, fair. Maybe I don't know. 
Yeah, Jesus. what's David Beckham doing? We'll find somebody, you know, somebody somebody who can kick for the Jets. Let Le'Veon kick. He's got to be better than whatever they have. Or just go for two. Mike, Mike, that worked. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's my plan. I give up. All right, that is our show for real. We'll be back Friday morning with Mello sitting beside me. Don't forget, you can watch the show on YouTube, Bleach Report's YouTube channel. We will yell at y'all again Friday morning. 